0: On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Alan Co. He is the data science manager at State's Title. On this episode, we're going to chat about a couple of things relating to how he started his career, from Metis to his first role, the journey he took. And he's been a manager for a few years, so fresh experience. And he's going to talk to us about some of the skills and the gaps of... Uh, skills that he probably could have addressed and, and could have had uh, along the way to make the management experience a little bit more robust and about how he's building his team. He's grown his team pretty significantly at state title and curious to see how he's doing that. Alan, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, happy to be here. I guess I should jump in with a slight correction. I've been a manager for since what, like January of this year? So not quite a year yet. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. But going back to the very beginning, so to say, I Graduate with a bachelor's in chemical engineering from UC Berkeley right here in the Bay. Worked for four years for applied materials as like very unrelated to data science <laughs> as a guy sort of doing R&D on, on machines that would create like computer chips and, and putting you know, nanomaterials on silicon wafers. I think I had my adequate sort of quarter year crisis as, all the, as everyone's enjoying these days of going out and traveling before figuring i wanted to go into data science and that's how i ended up in Metis. i think that boot camp looking back at it now like certainly enabled a pretty awesome career change it was a pretty crazy 3 months of just like cramming as much python and probability statistics algorithms into my brain as much as i could handle and then i was i was promptly uh, i should back into the real world to look for a job i think after about Six months ish of job hunting, I landed my first data science job at States Title, which was also like a super new company at the time. And I've been with the company ever since then. I joined that company in 2017, and we've sort of grown together to all the way to where we are now. States Title is about an 800 person company, if I'm totally ballparking. And I'm now a data science manager leading one of the three data science teams here at States Title.
0: Awesome. I guess the team that you're currently leading, what do you guys do there just to give it some context?
1: Yeah, I lead the document processing efforts at States Title. States Title is kind of an insurance company, insured tech company. And one of the things we're trying to do is is modernize a lot of the practices in the title and escrow industry, which is kind of like in real estate. So I'm all about like how do ingest paperwork and automate a lot of those processes.
0: I'm sure people are going to like the fact that there's less paperwork. So you're helping people, I'm sure, in their happiness quite a bit in your job.
1: Yeah, I like to think that like I'm saving people from a lot of like arthritis involved as it comes like thumbing through documents like I'm really that's a dream for me.
0: There you go. You touched on a couple of things there and we we'll can go, go back and talk about how you actually got into the industry. You mentioned, you know, State said it was a young company when you were back at Applied Materials. I mean, it's a good company. You didn't want to travel. What was the spark or what was the thought that, hey, I should go even get into a program like medicine and go down the data science path?
1: Yeah, there were a few things involved in there. I was working, like, certainly way more on the hardware side of things, in that, like, I was helping build chemical reactors to put stuff on silicon wafers. And we were using tools like Excel and, like, almost just like basic calculators to add and divide and and basic operations like that, which is a very far cry from what the latest and greatest is as far as data science in terms of crunching numbers to create amazing results. And I I kind of knew in the back of my mind that there were other tools out there that were ready and sort of waiting to be learned and acquired. And alongside that, I've always had like, at least a background interest in programming and mathematics, if not like something in the forefront. There's a few other things that sort of combine to take the leap. A lot of my friends were in the software industry, and like, relatively speaking, the grass is always greener on the other side, but they were like working from home a lot more. They had more impressive salaries, a much better work life balance. So, taking all those things in consideration, it's like it seems obvious that I should make the jump. And then there were also like a lot of other coworkers and friends that were doing the same thing I was that also made the jump. And they're like, it's great, it's wonderful, it's much better. So, Taking that into consideration, and just thinking about it in general, and that like you know, data is on the up and up. And there's that article that everyone talks about where data is the new oil, and it just seems like a a good thing to get into. Absolutely, wash pit of answers for you.
0: Yeah, no, no. Th- I mean, those are all good reasons. I mean, to leave a a perfectly good job that a big company. Obviously, the travel was a component that you know was tiring, and and you had a driver, and you know had some. Interest. And I think you know what you were doing there sounded pretty technical. I don't think it was a typical job. It sounds pretty complicated. So I'm sure uh, given you know a chemical engineering degree exposes you to a lot of math and stats. So it seems natural. How did you select? I'm just curious, like you know, there's a lot of programs you now that have come and go that have been, been mainstays. How did you evaluate picking one over the other, just out of curiosity?
1: Yeah, I looked at a whole bunch there's a few that I was immediately not qualified for by virtue of not having a PhD. And I think the thing that where Metis really stood out to me was in their job hunting and career support. I think there's a whole lot of boot camps that they all look pretty similar. But as far as like both like the rigor of the program and like a lot of their copy and their website and like the in-person session I attended, they all talked a lot about Emphasize more heavily than everyone else, like I was like ninety nine percent placement after graduation at like data related jobs, stuff like that, so for me, that was the main driver
0: that makes sense I guess maybe talk about what happens after you spend the three months intensive, you're learning all kinds of technologies and, and new skills and a ninety nine percent placement rate that's all good. What happens through the interview process after that like how different was it from you know, being in a boot camp, and obviously you're you're running mock scenarios, but actual real world. Now people are asking you questions about you know concepts you were learning. How different was that, uh, and, how, and what were the challenges? I mean, I
1: guess you're talking about like interviewing at at various companies afterwards, right?
0: Post medis, yeah. You you finish the program, and and you're going to get the first job. There's some hurdles, I'm assuming. So
1: for me, <laughs> the first thing I did after graduating program was take a vacation, but. As far as like getting into the job hunt, for me, it was like an incredible range of experiences as far as applying at different companies. I remember one company that I applied for, they sent me like essentially a, a problem set to do, and you're not supposed to share these with anyone, but I, this problem set was incredibly intellectually rigorous. It was like a problem set that like a grad student would be expected to do as part of his PhD coursework. I shared this with like a bunch of my friends because this was like crazy. I had never seen statistics and programming and, and sort of data science problems all put together in something as rigorous as this. And they're all like, yeah, this is this is kind of crazy, which was actually like a really fun thing to do as well. I would say that as like one end of the spectrum compared to like another company I interviewed at where they gave me like a toy problem set after like talking through a few phone screens. The problem set was like almost Exactly what I had been doing at Metis for like the three months I was there. And then I felt like I had like knocked it out of the park in regards to that one. And sort of everything in between those two extremes, I feel like I've seen all the companies that are hiring, they all have like individual niches that they're looking for. And a lot of it, like quite frankly, there's a lot of niches out there that I just didn't fit where I like just flunked whatever interview or whatever challenges they threw my way. But Overall, um, I actually got my current job at State's Title, not through like a, a traditional interview process, but through contracting for them for like three or four months after I graduated from medis. Personally, like I really enjoyed that time. To me, like looking back now, it, it kind of stands out as like the teenage years of my career in that, like I was working on a contract basis, but I would like, drive up the Tahoe Go skiing for a few hours go down to the lodge to like work for a few hours and then like get the slopes for like one final time or something like that it was super fun even though you know i wasn't that like super productive and i was really just sort of getting my feet wet in the industry so to say
0: interesting yeah actually uh, the contract approach probably was a low risk way for them to you know kind of evaluate you as well and and make sure it's a fit and obviously you've been there for uh oh geez almost uh four years so it did work out very well right so I guess, you know, just to kind of jump forward, obviously, obviously, you've been there for years, you've been a manager for not quite a year, a little, you know, about eight, nine months now, maybe talk to me a little bit about, as you've gone through the progression of your career, now that you've been a manager, and you're kind of seeing some of the skills that you need, are there any areas you look back and you go, you know what, if I'd have known this is what I have to do when I become a manager, I might have, you know, focused on a little bit more skill development in any particular area?
1: Yeah, I mean to speak personally, I feel like my personal weaknesses as far as management goes and and sort of learning this on the job so far are mostly the soft skills. I think of it as like dark magic in a lot of ways when it comes to these things. It's sort of like how do you get the best work out of your direct reports? How do you read someone to figure out what level you need to manage them down to? How much, how much sort of rope to give someone. I quite frankly have no idea how to like develop those skills. Aside from just doing it myself, but like looking back at the last sort of almost year, those are the lessons that I've, I've learned quite trial by fire. So let's say.
0: And it is funny that uh, for almost everything we do, there's training. Like elementary school, we go through this. Our parents teach us, you know, the basics. And you can go to boot camp to learn data science fundamentals. And then you become a manager. And it's like you're a strong engineer, strong data scientist here's the team and most people, I don't think just you, I, I talked to a lot of people and I think a lot of people it is, you know, trial by fire or kind of looking to somebody else and kind of you know, observing best traits and habits and, and kind of mimicking those. But uh, I, I don't think your story is uh, too dissimilar in terms of having to just just learn and go.
1: Right, I think if there's anything that like, I'm really thankful for having done is just read a lot about like past famous leaders, on their like management and like leadership styles. I think looking back at like reading about like John F. Kennedy or like George Washington or like these really famous, really smart people, like I think this whole management experience has certainly given me a little bit more perspective, like go back and I should sort of reread those and figure out the next level of of depth as to what their secrets were and how they
0: excelled. Yeah, that's actually really good. I was gonna ask you, I mean, to kind of piggyback off that, have you had a mentor along the way or anyone to kind of you know bounce ideas off of, or have you been kind of going through some of that self-education yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be remiss to say that like my boss, like Annie Madavi, has been fantastic in helping me along the way. You know, I ask him all sorts of questions and get all sorts of advice from him on a regular basis. I feel like a lot of the learning that I've done is just through like osmosis with a lot of the other leaders in my company. I think when I first joined from like the CEO to the now COO, there was just like a ton of people that displayed amazing leadership qualities that I've just been trying to like learn from and slowly take in as how much I can over time.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I think your boss becomes the natural mentor. Do you think you'd ever go outside and maybe look for a mentor externally, like maybe focusing on some things? That you'd like to improve? Because I know that's always, you know, once you get to manager level, you might be a, a mentor for other people. But in terms of being a mentee, is that something that you thought about or you know, has something crossed your mind?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a matter of like how to do that. And I think LinkedIn is very good about like sneaking in, and be like, hey, we have this mentor mentee thing that you can try to hop into. So programs like that, I've been eyeballing. I have to take the jump sometime, but I think that's a really good point. That like as I've sort of struggling in this role, sometimes, that's certainly an option that I think I should engage in,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic I think um, you know, I recorded with somebody who talked a lot about mentorship and it was it was actually interesting to kind of hear the different approaches that people use, and then it's basically the same thing of trying to actually find somebody uh to be a mentor, and it's a little bit more difficult because obviously you know other people at other companies are probably Indirect mentors for their own team. And it's this quite up and flow of finding the right person who really enjoys it. And I think some people love being a mentor. Another question of your time, you know, like in this manager role, how did you handle starting to really, you know, like in terms of the delegation? Obviously, you are managing a pretty nice sized team of delegating versus wanting to jump in and do, or how, maybe how much separation is there now?
1: The way I think about these things and sort of the way i grown has always been through like ownership of of a project. And the general idea I try to go with is that like everyone on my team should feel empowered to like, they should have this one project that they own and just go for. And I don't think anyone can ever do that entirely on their own. I've needed a lot of help along the way. But I think having that like for me, like critical thing is owning that project and then having other people jump in and help as much as needed to get that project completed on time and in good quality. So I think that's sort of where the rub is in that, like, I think a good manager steps in when needed, but not before that. And sort of learning how to keep a pulse on a project on how someone's doing on the progress that's being made is I think the main skills I'm trying to (laughs) improve on.
0: That makes sense. Something that's been coming up in uh, in discussions with a lot of people in data science has been having an embedded team versus a centralized team. How is your team structured? Are you guys embedded with you know, I guess the product or the business people you're working with, or are you guys more centralized and requests come in and you guys work on projects as as they come to you?
1: You know, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I've never looked at it that way before. I would say that we are we are an interesting mixture of both in like we. Our state title is organized as a central data science team, and all the requests come in and out of that. But when we start working on a project, like we work extremely closely with sort of that project team. Like the project I'm working on, the people I talk with and Slack and Zoom with on a daily basis are the engineers and project managers associated with rolling out that one single project. So in that sense, we are kind of embedded in on that side of things as well.
0: How is the relationship with the product team with the data science team? And I asked that because I had a uh... I interviewed a um, product manager who was a former data scientist. And that relationship from her point of view is very interesting. So I'm starting to ask in terms of what's the relationship that you see with product? How does that typically work? Maybe just from your experience that you've had at, at State's Title.
1: So at State's Title, like, data science is pretty heavily integrated in with the product. And what's come out of that is that most products have like a product manager leading it. At every step of the way, like even at the product's inception, there's a data scientist attached to that sort of advising and helping with the product management for sure, like on the data science side of things. So from my perspective, there's like a super tight coupling in a lot of ways because like data science is a key part of a lot of the features we want to release to our industry.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think the more that I talk to people, the relationship between product and data science, it's ebbing towards product people that are starting to get more technical. Data science is starting to get more business focused. I don't think there's going to be emerging, but I think they definitely are getting closer in terms of more overlapping skill sets. Is I mean, is that something you're seeing or is that different for State Title?
1: I would totally agree with that. I think that I've certainly had to like, put on my project manager hat to like plan out and scope a lot of the data science aspects of things. That's one sort of skill set that we are developing, like all the data scientists here at State Settle, to be honest. And I think it's certainly true on on the project manager side as well. But to be honest, like there's a lot of technical depth for them to learn both on the engineering side and the data science side as well. So I think that the project managers, as far as I can tell, like they're certainly getting more technically savvy with regards to the engineering. And then the data scientists, all the data scientists are hopping on the Project manager about a little bit, and that's how the gap is kind of bridged.
0: Gotcha, makes
1: sense.
0: I was actually uh, talking to a senior data scientist a couple of days ago, and I asked, "What do you want me to ask, uh, you know, one of my guests about, you know, a topic?" And he said, "There's one thing that he always finds super complicated. I'm I'm trying to ask a few more people and get some different viewpoints. Is how do people stay up with the latest models? Like in your case, you're moving away from you know being sole see but how do you stay up with like the latest techniques, latest models, the latest you know trends to keep relevant and, and keep your skills sharp?
1: That's a really good question.
0: I feel like that's almost like a
1: existential crisis for data scientists these days. I think our data science team has a few cool things in place to do that. Like we have a monthly, sometimes bi-monthly, like journal club for someone to go out and explain. I think. Quite frankly, like some of it has just been through hiring really smart people that are up to date on the latest and greatest. And I think the last leg of that would simply be like just putting in the time after work, one, some days, like once or twice a week to eat a paper and like sit down and spend a few hours like thinking through it and digesting it. And if I'm lucky enough, like pulling up some code that someone else has written and like breaking apart the model and putting it back together and sort of writing my own copy. If, I can understand what's going on. Yeah, it's
0: interesting because as you do the job, I mean, you're already challenged with it when you're off the clock. You know, we all want to kind of walk away from the things that we do. But obviously, with other professions, let's say, you know, medical profession, there's, you know, continuing education courses and let's say teaching and technology, it's all pressured down on individual people staying current. Like to me, it's a never ending cycle of learning the next you know, item to go in your toolbox, because without that, you'll be left behind.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I I think the other thing I would add to that is like going to conferences is like, it's a fun way to keep up to date with stuff where, you know, I think it's a good way to remove yourself out from the day-to-day grind. And you're really a week or a few days or whatever, and you can just sit and, and hang out with people and learn about these cool technologies and it's almost like a vacation if you really like learning about new algorithms.
0: Have you done a virtual conference during the pandemic at this point? Has that come up for you?
1: Not yet. I definitely, you know, that's another thing that I think I should be doing. I did go, like, back in the day in the pre-COVID world, I did go to, like, KDD once, which was awesome. But to be honest, like, the virtual conferences have lost their lesser a little bit as far as just, like, flying out and, and drinking with people and, and having a good time. But, there's certainly you know, a ton to be learned
0: still. Interesting. I don't know if you are or not, but are, have you added anyone to your team during the pandemic? Or have you guys not added anyone new in terms of headcount? Yeah,
1: I'm still interviewing for another data scientist on my team right now.
0: What's been the shift in the interview process since everyone's you know kind of more isolated? Have you seen any shifts in just what you guys have had to do from your team to kind of adjust for the times?
1: Honestly, not a whole lot. Like the one shift is that in the last round of our interview, we bring people on site for half a day to like uh, talk with everyone. And that's just all via Zoom call right now. I think it's a much more interesting thing when you onboard someone entirely virtually, you're not going to meet this person that you onboard on your team, possibly for like another year or something. I think something that we talk about internally is like managing remotely versus in person, you know, I'm sure there's a, plenty of other podcasts that dive deeper into that topic, but that's the fun bit.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, because I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a whole complexity. I, I spoke to somebody about how the whiteboard was so integral in the process and removing it, trying to find a workaround has been very difficult in trying to find, like, he was like, you know, I drive and they tell me what to write. And, you know, we kind of use that as a pseudo bridge. And I'm like, well, that's, Kind of not the same, but it's the best case scenario. There's nothing, you know, I joke with him. I go, you guys should slap your logo on whiteboards and mail them to people and say, stay in front of the whiteboard and sketch for me. Cause who has like, you know, office size, you know, four by six whiteboards in their home?
1: Right. The data science management team, like we spent like a solid week or two going over different alternatives where we could do whiteboarding with our interviewers. And we haven't really found a good tool for that. So if there's any, entrepreneurs listening, that's the next great product that's going to take off during these pandemic days.
0: Dude, that's what I told him too. I'm like, I'm sure somebody smart has gone on an interview somewhere in Silicon Valley and been like, this sucks. I can't explain my thoughts. He didn't get the job. And he's busy working on some kind of you know, VR meets you know, digital pen in the cloud. I don't know. But um, we'll see. Watch it come out in January and we'll be like, hey, there we go. We should have found him and uh, put a couple of dollars in seed capital. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to me. I'll, I'll throw a few bucks in there.
0: There you go, man. There you go. Man, uh, <laughs> I mean, I could talk to you for all day. I know you got to get back to it, but um, I appreciate the insights. I think like, you know, your story is really interesting because I mean, you've gotten in and just a steady career progression and, and obviously you're now, you know, data science manager having gone through the whole, you know, get into the immersion program. So I think that's a great story. If someone has any questions or they want to follow up with you, what's the best medium to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I feel like LinkedIn is really good. To be honest, like I get enough questions on LinkedIn, like kind of along the same vein that I was like, oh, let's go on a podcast and see if there's anyone interested. This will be a good resource as well.
0: I tell you, I'm really interested in uh, this podcast dropping because I get a lot of the same, especially people in boot camps or kind of thinking about wanting to make a career change. They're like, hey, you're a recruiter. How would I get my first job? And I'm like, the boot camp's step one. And then step two is you. So I think you did a good job articulating that. We'll. In the show notes, we'll add your LinkedIn profile into that. And again, thanks for being on. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, awesome. And uh, that's it for this week. If you have any uh, questions or thoughts for Alan, please feel free to reach out to him. And then if you guys want me to ask the next guest a specific question, always looking for more topic ideas. And uh, please uh, continue to subscribe and leave us a review someplace. We've gotten pretty good feedback and some good movement on the podcast. I just want to grow the audience. So I appreciate that until next week. Thanks.